0: Thanks for listening to the Scrum Under Siege podcast. My name's Jack. That's Doug. Hi. We're Scrum Masters and we dig it. Today is the initial podcast for Doug's special guests interviews. Yeah, I'm excited, Jack. We're going to do a little bit of an interview series as we go on here. So that's that's the good piece of it. So today I have Chris Barron, who is consultant, coach, and trainer. And one of the themes today as I go through a Q&A with him uh, referencing our last podcast leave your dress shoes at the door and bring your cowboy boots for this cutting edge conversation. So clever. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Chris. Well, thanks for, for coming and really being instrumental in helping us get this podcast up and running. And I, I just want to give you that shout out first and foremost. So with that being said, I know we, we have a great topic today. You've been in product organizations for well over 20 years. Um, From that standpoint So we're going to talk about Why these organizations Aren't being successful today And just get to the theme of it I know we've talked A little bit about this So What are kind of Your thoughts On this Product centric Focused Organization model Or at least team structure
1: Yeah okay Uh, Happy to talk about it Um, In fact This is something That it's taken A a few years Since uh, moving back To the Midwest To click in for me So Um growing up you know i come from southern illinois so i actually literally used to wear cowboy boots as a child that's a little embarrassing luckily not a lot of photographs uh along with the big belt buckle Uh, we'll find (laughs) those we'll find those later yeah Uh, anyway uh but um yeah um, my career started uh, out east in a a small company software company in the Boston area and then in uh, silicon valley and um not all that time was with uh, agile organizations, but it was always with product organizations. And after moving back to the Midwest, long story short, uh, my wife works at 3M here in Minnesota, so figured I should probably follow her, uh, came over here. <laughs> and actually, uh, for the first couple of years, I kept noticing I'd have these awkward conversations uh, where people ask, hey Chris, what do you do? And I would explain, oh yeah, uh, I'm." I'm a software product manager and they'd ask well, what does that mean and i'd say, well, okay so uh i've led teams that you know create software products like commercial software uh, so I was at Oracle, I was at yahoo i was at, at at Vmware, and uh two things would invariably happen: one, the person i'm talking to here in Minnesota uh would Replay back to me. Oh, so you're a project manager? That they would instantly in their head. They wouldn't hear product manager. They would hear project manager, and that that would literally literally be the first thing they say back to me. And i thought, okay, that's that's a little weird. I know I'm a little mushmouth sometimes. Maybe I'm not enunciating. Um, but then <laughs> the other thing is, and they're like, oh, so you're an IT guy? And I used to think that was a little weird too. Uh, but again, I, I, I come. Uh, from a, uh, a background where uh, my Korean-American uh, mother for uh, so many years of my life working in software, even when it was like, like doing AI systems and stuff, and she'd see me working, and she'd be like, oh, what are you working on? And I'm like, I try to explain it. She would come back, oh, so that's some kind of a, a chip, right? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like, and I, so I just wrote that off as just like a, a simple like, difference in lingo. Okay, I hear you if you want to call it. IT or whatever like I, I can kind of get that it's it's computer related so um fine whatever you know I'm not gonna stop a conversation and say hey guy no I'm not an IT guy let's let's start a 20-minute conversation on the taxonomy of those words you like yeah I'm gonna get invited out for drinks later after that but uh anywho it actually I noticed it it, it actually uh had an impact though when i started uh, consulting and coaching at at some companies in this area and in particular companies where technology such as software technologies uh weren't part of their foundation like you know they go back many years in banking and finance insurance or whatever predating everything being online and, and, and whatnot and in those companies Anything having to do with computers was initially handled by an IT department. And IT being the guys who now we think of as, hey, when I join a company and I first get my, my laptop or my desktop computer, and they have to set it up for me. Or who sets up my email account? Or who makes sure the company website is, is up and running? Who runs the help desk? You know, that's IT. For some of these companies, though, as the need to introduce technology into the products and services, you know, grew. They were also turning towards that IT organization and saying, hey, this has to do with computers and software. You guys do computers and software. Can you build this stuff for us? And what I've realized since moving back to the Midwest is, like, that has a pretty profound impact on how they handle that versus, other companies, which are product-oriented and have a technology background, and to be clear, in Silicon Valley, yes, software companies, or even like internet, you know, software as a service type companies, that are uh, product-oriented. Uh, a lot of them now agile is a standard practice. Even uh, I go back to my days at Oracle. Uh, I was on a team. This was pre-agile. We were still product-oriented and we didn't develop Oracle software products that we sold to people in the IT organization. There was an IT part of the company and they did the things I talked about earlier. They kept everyone's email accounts running and gave you your your laptop when you joined and all that kind of stuff. But the software that we sold to our customers or the online services we provided to our customers those were built within product organizations and because those products and services relied on technology, we had software developers working as permanent parts of that product organization and so it 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 wasn't about, hey, every year let's scramble and figure out what our i t priorities are and spin up projects. So you had long standing permanently assembled product teams did did you feel like the
0: engagement from an overall team member? And just like the whole team that you had was there, like people all believed in the same thing. there was no competing priorities between your so so called like i guess silo department oh yeah,
1: I mean if you're in a product organization um it it is so cut and dry, and so many of the, the problems that I, I know that you're uh wanting to bring up probably in the, in this next part like just don't exist um so the, the things were in an IT-led organization when it comes to techn- technology where everyone's like, oh, I'm spread across four different projects, and they're all you know, competing for priority. Um, so like when I was at Oracle, I was on this product called Discover. We had our developers and QA people and, and product management people, uh, and not just like five or six. It was over 100 people uh, across three continents, and we worked year in year out over multiple years on that product uh there was never a, a a time when someone from another oracle product let's say oracle forms or oracle reports and hey you know they don't get gold stars for imaginative naming there for products but uh you know could say oh we 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 have some important things that we want to do with our product you know we're going to steal some of your developers It's was like no that that would be like in any other function of the company if you're part of of a certain product organization you can't just like steal people away from some other work like you're dedicated there you're trying to make that product successful you're trying to hit that product's goals and and so it's just a very different existence i mean to know that I've worked with people, and again, this has nothing to do with being agile or not, just being in a product organization, working with people who have been uh, software developers on the same product for over 20 years, and just have super deep knowledge and a list of patents on, on on that software going out the wazoo, you don't find that in an organization that runs everything as IT projects where everyone gets reshuffled and, and assigned to you know five different things. Mm-hmm. So...
0: You were stuck with the product. There was no funding like it is today in these organizations where it comes and goes, and as you finish the project, that's the last time you hear of it. How was, was your staffing consistent? Is that kind of how the model was for the company?
1: Well, well yeah, because in a lot of ways, um, and I've worked at some smaller companies, um, including at, at kind of the startup level too, where the product that you sell, uh, it, it gets back to you have a P&L, a profit and loss. Yeah. You have to be accountable for whoever you hire and the expenses they occur for their salaries and, and whatever, um, that you're investing in them because they're going to help you build this product that you're going to sell ultimately for a profit. Yeah. So whatever it is that you need to do to maintain a viable product organization, that's up to you. And so usually it's at kind of the, at that product level. Uh, when I was mentioning uh, Oracle. At the Oracle discoverer level, you know, We were part of a larger product division. Our entire product organization had to be able to say, each year we're signing up for a certain P&L targets, you know, certain profitability targets, and uh, those would have to roll up to another level and another level ex- you know, after that. But other than at that kind of macro level, hey, as a product, we're signing up to make uh, X amount of profit at X amount of margin. It's totally up to us to figure out how we're going to do that. If that meant hiring more people, or investing in different tools, or partnering, or in some cases, I mean, these are decisions. Sometimes involve acquiring other products, smaller companies. You know, that's all fair game. Uh, It definitely, as as opposed to in an IT organization, where again, it's hey, we have this big grab bag of IT requests for projects coming into this one big pool of people, and and we're going to try to figure out every year how to jumble them into teams and matrix them to try to to, to meet these goals. Uh, one of the weirdest things that, that I've seen is in, in some of these local companies, they will have an IT organization which will say, we are going to start a, a really important new product initiative, it's something they're actually gonna sell externally, and they'll put together a project team and the, and they'll Everyone up to the CIO will say, you know, this is a, a top priority initiative, et cetera. But it still goes through this same kind of annual funding and, and, and budgeting and project management cycle where each year they have to kind of redefend. And uh, inevitably, what you see with those organizations yeah, for the first year they, they get the awesome team that they asked for. But as the year goes on, as other stuff starts to catch on fire, Key people start to get matrixed away into other things. Matrix. Yes. Until <laughs> by, by the end of the first year, all of a sudden, all your key leaders are a halftime on some other thing that's on mm-hmm. fire and is, is now the new top priority, et cetera. Like in product-oriented organizations, like I was saying before, like, I'd never have the, you know, the senior developers for my product pulled into another product team. Like they're completely separate. They don't, they don't even know each other's stuff, so it would be pointless. It, it would be like firing them from my team and just hiring some random person from another team. Um, and it, it would be mind-boggling to me uh, to try to uh, keep a high level of quality and competitiveness with a product if we weren't able to count on basically having the same team of people year after year. It, you always have some attrition, maybe some growth, or as time's got lean, I was there for the dot-com uh, bust in the late 90s, early 2000s, and yeah, sometimes you have to let people go. But you always had a core group of people where you had that kind of, um, you know, that knowledge, that tribal knowledge that, that would always take that product further. Yeah. And you don't have that in project-oriented organizations.
0: Do you see it as, like, a lack of ownership? Like, a lot of things that we've heard in our past are just other people, like conferences and so, so on, like, that I've been at. It's been like, how do I get these people from my business side of things to actually engage and want the product. And I find that kind of weird because you're referencing something very different, right? I own it, I want the product to be successful where I feel like some of the organizations now, it's you own it, good luck, hopefully you stay engaged with delivering it and Mm -hmm. stuff.
1: Do you see a lot of that? Well, and even uh, you know, we three, we've worked together before. And so I know even in some of the experiences that you've seen that I've seen at, at some of the same places, you see this where in a, in a project-focused organization, your quote-unquote product owner knows that their measurement for their career, you know, their next performance review, is just, did you get this project done? How well did you get this project mm-hmm. done? Did you meet schedule and budget, et cetera? They're not being measured on what is the long-term success of this product that has to live and, and thrive and compete in the market for multiple years. And so, uh, in those situations, that that product owner—and it's a podcast—you can't see the air quotes on product owner because it's not a real product; it's just a project. <laughs> they're they're there to, to, to essentially hit all the marks they have to for their performance review. And even if they do a bang up job of getting that you know first release out and getting some good feedback, as soon as that has you know checked all the boxes, they're moved on to their next kind of career position. Yeah. You know, uh, Compare that to so like when well, I was in, in, in product management, and I, I don't want to keep beating the drum on, on Oracle. I'll say at Yahoo or VMware, same thing. Uh, we're having to live with that product year after year, we, uh, and and that's a good thing because we care about it. We know our customers, we know our partners, we we know our sales and support staff, we know our marketing counterparts. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to try things over and over again, which this gets into the agile part. Uh, part of what makes agile plus product orientation work so well. I mentioned when I was at Oracle, there was at a time that was that was pre-agile. So I was in a super successful waterfall team. And the thing that, that really started to bite us is in our product family, it was it was it was we had a desktop client, an uh, uh, N-tier web client, an administrative tool, uh, you know, uh, et-, et cetera, and across multiple platforms it was ported. It got to be such that every new major release, we couldn't get them done faster than once a year. And then a couple maintenance releases like, oh, version 4.1, 4.2, et cetera, uh, throughout the year. We were running up into competition that was able to put up major new features faster than that. So even being like a product-oriented organization, the fact that we weren't agile, we could see that we were were running up into limits. And that's where we see in Silicon Valley, it's not just being product-oriented and it's not just being agile, it's being both. It's being product-oriented, it really smacks you in the face that, hey, we need to find a way to compete faster and get stuff out there more frequently because... that's what our, our competition is doing. We need to be able to react and hopefully jump ahead. And you're not going to do that by either having really long delivery cycles, which is waterfall, or by having to reshuffle and reform all the players involved every time, uh, which is mm-hmm. the, the project orientation. <clears throat> yep. So that, that's why, to me, in Silicon Valley, it's kind of standard practice to say you, know, you, you do both. And, and just to drive it home, that, that's not just a Silicon Valley thing. So after moving to Minnesota, I've, I've worked with product companies here, too. Um, in, in fact, uh, uh, one of them, small custom manufacturing software management uh, uh, company here in the Twin Cities, product-oriented, uh, and they went from being uh, non-Agile to Agile. But again, it was a product sold to customers, and over time, it had a roadmap over time. It had the same people working on it. And again, in some cases, for over a decade, you know, because that's what it takes to be really competitive and have that kind of uh, tribal knowledge built up over time to give you an advantage.
0: Well, thanks, Chris. I know this has been super insightful. I know, like, speaking on behalf of Jack a little bit, too. We both Thank you. Appreciate, yep. <laughs> we both appreciate your help getting us off the ground. Um, one of the things that I wanted to like leeway, like this is leveraging us to get into the next podcast, which will be um, why I care about what you're delivering over your metrics and the metrics trap and terms of where we're at in the project management space of I care about my metrics, completion and moving on. So a big thank you. Uh, Jack, do you want to do your little little hook? Besides that where to find us? <laughs> Put me on the spot. Uh, okay, everybody knows where to find us, right? iTunes, LinkedIn. Stitcher. Tune in. Tune in. Google Play. Google Play. A couple others. Maybe. Subscribe, subscribe, to, subscribe please. Leave a review. Um, I think one review. I think we had a review on LinkedIn from Carl that said, keep it up. Good work, guys. We did. Yeah, we did. So thanks, guys. We'll, we'll try to mix in some interviews to keep it a little bit fresh and, and give you different perspectives. So thanks again. See you next week. Thanks, Chris Barron. Bye. Right. Thanks for having me.